The Cactus Plant Flea Market Box has arrived at McDonald's. Order one and get a unique box with your choice of a Big Mac or 10-piece Chicken McNuggets and get fries, a drink, and one of four collectibles. At participating McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Serta Pro Painters have powers beyond those of ordinary painters. The power of timeliness. We show up when we say we will, on time and fully caffeinated. The power of transformation. Also known as making your house look so good, your neighbors will be jealous. The power of certainty. That's your local Serta Pro Painters. The power of pro. Get your project started at certapro.com. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we had our day off. We're back in the saddle. We're going to drop some knowledge on the podcast. And we actually have quite a few things to get to today with OTAs kicking off on Tuesday. We do, but can we talk about the Broncos draft hat for a second? Uh, (laughs) I don't know. I don't really like it, Chad. What do you think about it? Um, I think it's kind of tacky. I don't think they're that cool. It wasn't that creative. I don't know. The the Twin Mountains in the background, they smacked the Broncos logo right in the middle. Right. I don't It wasn't super, uh, didn't pop to me. To me, they look like something cheesy that you'd buy off like a Chinese (laughs) third-hand site. Yeah, Canal Street. Yeah, like just not a lot of thought and depth that went into it. But, you know, what's cool about it is, you know, you can buy a, a piece of merch like that to commemorate the year. And who knows, maybe the Broncos go into their, they have a, the 10th overall pick. They got to get a blue chipper, whether it's a quarterback or not. And if you get that hat, you know, whoever they get, maybe it's Devin White, maybe it's Devin Bush, maybe it's Ed Oliver, maybe it's quarterback, whoever, you put that up in your room or whatever, you can wear it once in a while, but you are constantly reminded of, yep, this was the 2019 draft hat, you know, that reminds me of Devin White. It just it reminds me of a cheap logo. I, I like the hat. I like the hat last year. I thought that was a much better look. But I digress on the subject. Yeah. If you guys want to see what that looks like, we have an article up on the website, also on our social channel, so you can go check that out. But uh, we do have a lot to get to. Many uh, storylines popped out of Dove Valley between the last time we were able to talk to you and today. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. As always, a reminder to make sure you're following the show on Twitter. It's easy to do. You can do it while you're listening to the podcast. Open up the app, Twitter, or do it on the on your browser. Find at HuddleUpPod. Click the follow button. And from there, you're plugged in. It's a great way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the Huddle Up podcast in real time. And then again, we, we gave some shout-outs to everybody on Twitter. I think it was uh, Tuesday. You guys have done a phenomenal job just cranking out the reviews and ratings on iTunes. Some of you don't even listen on iTunes, but you take our calls to action with the utmost seriousness. You're supporting the show, and you're creating or downloading Apple Podcasts just so that you can rate and review the show. And for those of you who have done that, and even if you're just regular listener and you've you've heated the call to action, you've left a review on iTunes, whoever has left a review, we thank you. You guys are kicking butt. Like it's really within the the realm of of happening that we can get to 200. Like we want to 200 ratings and reviews on 
iTunes between now and the draft. So it's really easy to do, similar to the Twitter thing. You open it up, you're logged in, you find the podcast, you scroll down to the bottom, leave a, a creative review, and it doesn't have to be long-winded. You can do one or two sentences, five-star rating, boom, close it out, you're done. So take care of that. It's your call to action. Help us get to 200 ratings and reviews between now and the draft. We're sitting at about... Just under, I think, 130 the last time I... With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Checked. All right, Zach. So let's talk about a few things that have come out of the OTAs that kicked off on Tuesday. And the first thing I want to touch on is... You know, this was the Broncos' first chance to really come together. It's not a complete team yet because the draft class and the rookie class, we won't have, you know, that won't exist until the end of the month. But this is the first opportunity for the entire new coaching staff to be merged with the veterans, right? And to come together and for these veterans to hear the talking points and the priorities and the philosophies of Vic Fangio and his staff for the first time. And so, as you, you know, for first impressions are a big deal in terms of buying in and getting excited and just moving forward. First impressions can be extremely huge. And I know you wrote an article with Von Miller talking about that. We'll get to that here in just a second. But I want to read a quote that came via Mike Kliss. Now, this was what Emmanuel Sanders told Mike Kliss. He said, uh, quote, now this is... Or this is Cliss, I think, paraphrasing Emmanuel Sanders, but he said, quote, man, he did really good. This is Sanders talking about Fangio. The message was strong. It was about the team is bigger than yourself. Pretty much leave your ego at the door. Also, talent is all good. But at the same time, if you're not technically sound, what good does it do if you're not disciplined? Close quote. That's from Emmanuel Sanders. But Zach, off the cuff from what Sanders had to say and some of the other buzz from different players like Von Miller, what were your takeaways from the type of message Vic Fangio is presenting for the first time to the Denver Broncos? I love it. And he's presenting what the Broncos have lacked for the last two years, and that's accountability. To me, it's kind of sad that he has to preach the basics of football, Chad. He has to go back to the lifeblood and and football 101 because that's how far Denver has gotten off that path. They have played incomplete football, sloppy football, unprepared football, incompetent football the last two years. And he's instilling his culture, and he's undoing all of the stink from the Vance Joseph era. And I I couldn't love it more, Chad. It totally justifies why I pounded the table for Fangio in the first place. He was the only guy among the coaching candidates in this cycle that would whip the Broncos into shape. He just carries that quiet confidence. He, He commands a room. Just on his his facial expressions alone, his mannerisms alone. So I couldn't have been more happy with what he's teaching, and it will pay off on the field. I mean, how many times the last couple of years did the Broncos lose a game because of coaching, especially in the last couple of seconds? I mean, you, you add that into the equation, already we're starting to see it pay off. Yeah, that was one of my, you know, honestly, that's probably my biggest complaint in terms of the end result, the end product. We can get into the weeds in terms of talking about some of the little things about Vance Joseph's regime that really fell short of the mark. But at bottom, where they really fell behind the pack in terms of the AFC West and the other NFL teams in terms of incompetence, was situational football. And one of the reasons why is not just because they're not great tacticians in the moment and decision makers when the pressure's on as coaches, but a lot of that, how you you 
perform and how you execute in those key situational moments is tied to all the little things. And it comes back to Vic Fangio's whole ethos of death by inches, right? Mm -hmm. If you're doing all the little things right from from the word go, the big things take care of themselves. And so when you're, if you are doing those little things right, talking about focusing on technique and assignment and all that stuff, keeping it simple, discipline, follow through, intensity, effort, et cetera, like Von Miller talked about, then when the chips are down and you're in that key moment, you're prepared and your actions flow with with much more uh, confidence and and authority, basically. And so that's what was lacking is the message from the get-go, all the details from Vance Joseph's crew, I mean, it was incompetence at the highest level. And with Vic Fangio, like we've said before on the show, it's like having an adult back in the room. And here's one thing that I thought was interesting from Von Miller's quote. In fact, I'm going to play the quote really quick. Here's what Von Miller said about Vic Fangio's message to the team. You know, technique, assignment, um, you really just keep everything simple, but it's easier said than done. You know, um, and uh, Coach Fangio, he's, he's all about that. Technique, assignment. Um, intensity, effort, and um, you know I, I like that. You know he's a he's an outside linebacker guru, and you know he's 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 up next with me. All right, so that's what Von Miller had to say. Zach, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, th- that's what it comes down to, and that's what I'm talking about by football one on one. I mean, it, it really all comes down to coaching in the NFL chat on game days on Sundays, and the, the Broncos weren't were not hurting for talent. They did not have the best offense, but on their defense alone. They had more talent than 11 wins within the last two years. Their losses were pinned on coaching, a large majority of them. And for the same reasons that he scattered that meeting, or for the same reasons they lost. And Fangio quietly and subtly has taken multiple shots at Vance Joseph the last couple months since he's been hired. Whether it's getting more out of Von Miller or um, getting more out of the team, you know, he even said they ha- they've been slacking since the Super Bowl chat. Yeah, I mean that's a major indictment not only on the previous coaching staffs but also John Elway. So I love the fact that he has big enough cashews to come in and start talking his way and making these proclamations and really setting things straight. I I love it so much. You also wrote the article of Todd Davis talking about how he feels like, to paraphrase him, this season is going to be different for the Broncos, how excited he is to get back to work and and uh, learn the new system. But overall, it really feels like a new era is dawning in Denver, and the, the players, the veterans, seem to be buying in. There's a different vibe. I mean, can you feel it? It was it was absent last year with Vance Joseph. There's, there's just a, a tide has turned. You can feel them sighing. You can feel them happy that they know they can rely on their coaches and they can rely on the scheme to put them in the right places to win, not have to win, you know, despite it and, and in spite of it. So I, I, I understand that the offseason is a time for fluff, Chad. I know hope reigns supreme right now. But you, the breadcrumbs have been laid, and you can tell it's genuine, and you can tell Broncos fan, players and fans are very, very fired up. Now, as we postulated on, I think it was uh, Tuesday's shows, which we recorded Monday evening, Chris Harris indeed chose not to attend these voluntary portions of OTAs. Now, we'll we'll analyze this thing, but... I think the first thing is what's the message? You know, we talked about the importance, Zach, on on that show on Tuesday of, you know, just setting a precedent, solidarity, you know, full show of force. Everybody's buying in, including Chris Harris, but he's not there. And obviously he has a bone to pick with the front office because he's tired of hearing his name brought up and, and talked about by John Elway in terms of an extension and nothing's happened. 
I mean, Troy Rank reported a, a couple of weeks back, I think it was following the combine, that you know things were building momentum in terms of, of Chris Harris. Then free agency rolled around, and the Broncos signed two corners, one of which was a nickel, right? One of which was Bryce Callahan, which, you know, at that stage, alarm bells had to be going off for Chris Harris. I mean, he's probably, I'm sure, as much as excited to be playing with those guys, but for him, that's got to be an alarm bell because that's his forte, that's his specialty. So we understand why he's saying, look, I'm not, you know, he's not holding out, but he's sending, obviously, a very clear message that. I agree with you, Chad, and we literally talked about that the night before the news came out, that we would like the 100% attendance, but if there was one player who would skip, it would be Harris. And I can make the case for both sides, but I'm on Harris' side here. You're talking about an all-pro all pro, perennial pro bowler, one of the best corners in the game, still in his prime, but nothing but a team player. He's criminally underpaid. The Broncos shelled out $54 million, $33 million in guarantees to Bryce Callahan and Kareem Jackson. And they let their one star, their homegrown stud, just rot away and, and have to wait. You need to pay the guy. It, it shows some goodwill. shows some good faith. Elway did the same thing with Von Miller, and they held out, and that was nasty, and Elway eventually caved. I think in the end, he'll cave to Chris Harris Jr., but it's sending a bad message. Why not take care of your own? Even Bill Belichick will hand a player an extension every now and then. I mean, if he can do it. You, Elway can swallow enough pride and do it too. And I'm not even mad that Harris skipped. To me, it doesn't send a message to Vic Fangio. It sends a message to John Elway that he has no reason to be there, nothing to gain by showing up, Chad, and he's using what little leverage he still has. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up with the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. As to his advantage. Yeah, and I don't I don't disagree at all. It does make me nervous though, um, just because I mean we know if you go back in time, one of the reasons the Denver Broncos allowed Akeeb Talib to uh, hit the bricks and they traded him obviously to LA was because Bradley Roby was coming up on his fifth year and they knew they were gonna pull the trigger on that. They're already paying Chris Harris, whatever it was, eight, nine million bucks. And they didn't want to have $30 million, you know, allocated to the cornerback position. And yet here they are, and, and they paid that, you know, they paid the price for choosing to scrimp a little bit at cornerback as obviously the no-fly zone died an ugly and horrible death last season with Roby falling off a cliff and the likes of Tremaine Brock just not pulling his, his fair share of, of the weight. So maybe it's simply Zach, John Elway's realizing that you need to be three deep there and you need to be willing to pay the price. But if you look at it, I mean, Kareem Jackson came in three years, $33 million, That's $11 million. Just using the annual average, okay, that's $11 million. Then you've got Bryce Callahan, three years, $21 million, I think it was, right? So $7 million. So there, now you're up to $18 million in annual average in two corners. Then you throw in Chris Harris, who's just under 
uh, well, let's just go with his salary. So he's just under $8 million. Let's just say $8 million. And it starts to add up. You're starting to approach that $30 million number. And Chris Harris, this time around, I mean, his first, I should say his second contract that he got, his first big contract, but it was his second deal, he, it was a massive increase over what he was earning as a former undrafted rookie playing on a rookie contract. You know, that was a big step forward. But even he, Zach, talked about how he had taken a, a, a you know, sweetheart deal for the Broncos to stick around. It was very team friendly. All the buzz that we've heard this time around is that with the dues he's paid, contributing to a championship, four Pro Bowls, three All-Pro nods, he wants to be paid on a level commensurate with his contribution and his standing in the NFL. And what I see translation is he's he's not going to be willing to accept Zach anything less than what Kareem Jackson got nothing less right so bare minimum he's going to be getting 11 million or at least asking for 11 million from the Denver Broncos so it starts to add up so that's what I'm worried about now I don't want fans and listeners of this show to get too paranoid and go down the rabbit hole but those are the real issues the Broncos are struggling with right now is figuring out how to prioritize this thing and the truth is, Zach, there's not going to be a resolution on Chris Harris till after the draft because the Broncos are going to do their due diligence. Just like in that mock draft we talked about a couple shows ago that I did on Friday, I took Rock Yassin in the second round to hedge against the possibility that things don't go swimmingly with Chris Harris in negotiations. Well, I have one solution to your problem, and that's move Kareem Jackson to safety. And then you have two corners, and you have a safety being paid, and you spread it around a little more. And that's what could be done anyway. I just think at this point, it just sets such a bad example to let Chris Harris Jr. waste away, enter a contract here, and not pay the guy. The only thing I can think of, Chad, Elway's impetus behind waiting is until April 26th, day two of the draft. Chris Harris won't fetch a first-round pick, but he maybe could fetch a second-rounder. So if not, if he's not traded by that point, he's not getting traded. I don't think it, it should happen. I don't think it should be even entertained. Um, but if I were Harris, I'd be more worried about Bryce Callahan signing than yeah. Kareem Jackson. That to me is you know the same type of player, same skill set, and it seems like they're grooming him to take over for him, whether now or a couple years from now. And he's a Fangio guy, right? That's right. He's a he's a devil you know guy, and I'm sure Fangio has the utmost respect for Chris Harris, uh, his talent, his body of work, but. The guy he knows is Bryce Callahan. So when it comes to innately being able to execute the system, Callahan's ready to roll. Now, Harris is a veteran. He's been through multiple systems as a pro. It's not going to take him long to pick up the, the scheme. So that's it's not going to be an issue. But, you know, you can start compounding these little issues, and, and you hope it just doesn't go down that road. So with Chris Harris, I think, you know, what is this? It's going to be his ninth year in the league. So all of which have been with the Denver Broncos. I mean, he's already bound for the ring of fame. He's mm-hmm. in that same caliber as a Demarius Thomas, as a Vaughn Miller. Maybe not quite as high, obviously, as Vaughn. But homegrown guys who made their contribution to world championships, and then all or championship in this case, and or uh, contributed at an individual level with the accolades that also make the team look good. So I think the Broncos, I mean, if they unless they want to really piss off the fan base, and lose some of the guys in the locker room, they need to take care of business with Chris Harris sooner rather than later. Now, for what it's worth, here's what Von Miller had to say about Chris Harris skipping the voluntary portion of OTAs. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's it's optional, right? This this the optional period to be here, and um, you know, we all know what type of we all know what type of pro Chris is, you know, on and off the football field, and 
you know, he's going to be ready to go whenever he's here. And if he's not here, he's still going to be ready to go. Um, we're talking about Strap Harris. So he, he could be on Mars and he's still going to be Strap Harris. So, you know, um, he's uh, going through whatever he's going through right now. And I, I support him 100%. But when it's time to go, he's going to be ready to go. So it's really, he really, there's really not too much you can say about that. He's going to be, this is ninth year coming up. And, you know, whatever he has to do to get ready, I'm, I'm for it. All right. So that's how Von Miller feels about Chris Harris skipping. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Zach, Vaughn at different points at a different point in his career has chosen to absent himself from the team activities when his future and his contract was in in doubt. So obviously he's not going to be tripping too hard on the fact that Chris Harris has to look out for Chris Harris at this moment in time. I mean, they're also super good friends. And of course, Miller is going to take his side over John Elway, who I'm sure they're not, especially after that trade rumor chat this offseason with his mom. I mean, things haven't been rocked between Miller and the Broncos front office for a while. They haven't been straight for a while. So I'm not surprised he's taking Harris's side. And look at it from Harris's point of view. The Broncos can give extensions to Brennan Marshall and Todd Davis, but not him. I mean, you have to, what's right is right. What's fair is fair. He's put enough due in. He deserves to be compensated, commiserate to his talent, commiserate to his production. They handed out deals in the past. They opened their checkbook this offseason. It just baffles me how they don't take care of their own in this instance. Well, we'll see how it shakes out. Right now it's voluntary. Right now it's weight room. It's classroom. And Harris is a veteran. So, you know, you don't worry too much about the, the weight room stuff because, you you know, he's, I'm sure he's doing his what he needs to do to stay in shape. There's no activities taking place on the grass right now. And he'll... I'd be surprised if he doesn't have a copy of Vic Fangio's playbook already anyway. So we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, but that's, I think that's a pretty good summary of our view and analysis on Chris Harris not showing up to OTAs. And we still have a few other things to get to in today's show. But first, you guys, we got to pay some bills. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, so... Let's talk about, since we were still on the topic somewhat of Vaughn Miller, another little piece of buzz that came out that uh, I think a lot of people didn't quite pick up on is the fact that Vaughn has chosen to beef it up again. So he played, he said that last year he was playing around 238, 236 pounds, somewhere in there. And to quote him, to paraphrase, well, to quote him, he said, it's not bad, but I want to be 248 or, or 245 or 248. So he's put the weight back on, and he's looking to beef up. And he kind of talked about it a little bit, but it basically just has to do with being able to get off blocks and and have a little bit more power, a little bit, you know, that 10 extra pounds or whatever it might be to get off of blocks when he's rushing the passer. To me, it sounds more like a move in order to be a little bit more stout in the run games act. Right, and also hold up, give him a little more muscle tone. I have no problem with it, and I believe this is the weight he played at at Super Bowl 50, so he just wants to get back to something a little more familiar. The good thing about Vaughn and why he's a future Hall of Famer is he wins with equal parts power and speed. So neither is going to be affected. This is not going to affect his game. And Vic Fangio's defense, you never know what they have planned for him. I mean, he already talked moving around Bradley Chubb, having him rush from the inside, rush from Von Miller's side. They're going to move Miller around too, so it's for the greater good, I feel like. Here's what he said, quote, it's when you get locked up with an offensive lineman and where you're able to go with that. At 235, you can go a certain direction with that. When you're locked in with an offensive lineman, 245, you can go just a little bit further with that. At 245 is where I want to be at. It's still not much. It's only 10 pounds. It's not a lot, but I need that 10 pounds. Close quote. So, 
you know, I think that in this scheme with Vic Fangio's kind of 4-3 under, he's going to be playing a lot more of a strong side linebacker role like he did early in his career. And so he's going to be tasked with setting the edge probably a little bit more than he has in, in the recent two or three years. So it's probably a good thing that he's going to put on that, that extra those extra LBs. And he's proven in the past, Zach, when he was beefier and bigger, that it doesn't really sap his 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 get off and it doesn't really sap his his twitch and explosion yeah he's not a running back or a wide receiver i mean 10 pounds is nothing they lose that on the field pretty much in water weight every single game so um, i'm all for it if he thinks and, and vaughn knows best and the coaching staff knows best if they think 10 pounds can make the difference and help the broncos win more games uh, i'm all for it now let's move on and talk about Cortland sutton who dropped a little bit of a bomb as well on tuesday first of all it's interesting because and this was something that Mike Kliss talked about. It had occurred to me, and then I saw him tweeting about it. It was, it was actually quite interesting. Normally, when the team convenes for OTAs, you just like you saw, on defense, the first guy they're going to put out there, Von Miller, probably the most famous name, the face of the, the team basically right now, but definitely the face of, of the defense. And then usually they're going to put forward a, you know, a stud on offense like Demarius Thomas or whoever the quarterback is. This time it was Cortland Sutton and Von Miller who were made available. Now, at first glance, no big deal. But right out of the gates, Cortland Sutton's first remark was actually quite interesting where he basically revealed that he is the number one receiver in Denver in 2019. And, Zach, I'll play the, play the clip so that our listeners can hear the tonality. This wasn't, to me, well, let me play the clip first, and then we'll come back and analyze it here's what he said really quick oh uh, it's a little different um you know coming in as a rookie you you kind of trying to fill it out uh you don't know what to expect uh there, there wasn't um i mean there's nothing that you can really guide guide through to say this is how i'm supposed to come into it but you know having a year under my belt um i know what to expect for myself and what my teammates expect from me and um i'm excited going into this season uh knowing that you know i'm, I'm gonna get to be the number one and i'm gonna get all that all that all that look all that pressure and you know i'm excited about that and um i want my team to my teammates to look at me as you know uh that leader and that guy is going to assume that role and take it and, and go with it as long as I possibly can. All right, Zach. So to me, obviously there's the content of what he said, but also the tonality. At first, when I when I rec- realized what he was saying, I thought to myself, is this just a second year receiver kind of talking about the mindset he's cultivating that, you know, look, I'm going into this as if I'm the number one and all this. I don't think that's, he wasn't talking in a figurative sense. To me, Zach, the Broncos have communicated to Cortland Sutton that the mantle has been passed. He's the number one. And I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, you might be questioning, well, what? Did his Emmanuel Sanders retired or what? <laughs> but really, if you think about it, Demarius Thomas was the number one. Sutton was drafted to be his eventual replacement at the X position. And you don't know what the future holds yet for Sanders in terms of his timetable to return. Yeah, and I love the confidence from Cortland Sutton. I really do. And he, he's a number one possession receiver for sure on the Broncos. But from what he showed last year, Chad, I thought he was far removed from a number one. I think he had a lot more work to do. And this is a guy who was playing safety in college. So he's not even that well seasoned yet. He's still growing exponentially. I think he's a great number two. I think he's a killer number three. But number one, that's why they kept Emmanuel around for now anyway. Because that he's a true number one. He's a true game breaker, a true lid lifter. And Sutton is that perfect compliment. So 
I like the confidence. I like the where he's building with Zach Azani, the receivers coach. Um, I think he can be to that point. He can be an all Sean Jeffrey or Brandon Marshall. But to say it right now, before he's even played one game of the sophomore year, uh, it's a little too uh, overconfident to me. And that's why I'm. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a matter of a guy being confident. I think this is a matter of the team telling him you're the number one this year, Cortland. So. You know, you need to conduct yourself that way. Like, I really don't think it's a guy just saying, look, I'm the number one now, y'all. You know, here's my mindset. I'm going to be the best. And I don't think – I really think that this is the team telling him, you're the man. And obviously look at who they trotted out first to represent the offense. It wasn't Joe Flacco. It was Cortland Sutton. Now, mm-hmm. in that particular sense, I'm not reading into too much. But with regard to the fact that because he was one the first offensive player to face the media in 2019 – I think that does bolster the notion that, look, this isn't just a guy talking. The team is transitioning and has made it clear to him he's going to be the number one. But you brought up a good point, and I wrote about this in the article when I reported on this on uh, Wednesday, or excuse me, on uh, Tuesday, which is that, you know what, he, as you said, when he started off the season, number three on the depth chart, he was great. He was averaging over 19 yards per catch. I mean, he was, he was phenomenal as the number three with him, DT, and Sanders. And then, of course, DT gets dealt ahead of week nine. Suddenly, he's a starter opposite of Sanders, and he still managed to hold his own. He had an uptick in reps, and you had Vance Joseph talking about his conditioning and all this and that. Well, he still managed to hold his own and p- perform as the number two. But where it really got sketchy was ahead of week 13, or excuse me, I think it was after week 13. So 14, 15, 16, 17, yeah. So after week 13, after the Cincinnati game, Sanders tears his, his Achilles, and now Sutton is suddenly the number one. For a full quarter of the season, the final four games, he's the number one in Denver. That's when the offense took a nosedive, went off the cliff. He had two games, Zach, in which he t- uh, posted two or less receptions. And he talked about that, that you know that's one of the lessons he learned from being a number one that final quarter of the season is, look, you can't go into a game with one and come out of it with one or two receptions. you got to be a guy that's coming away with six, seven, eight catches week in and week out. But, Zach, in order for that to happen, you want to know the biggest difference between uh, the, the wherewithal or acumen of Sanders and, and Sutton? It's not wingspan. It's not the necessarily the ability to – you know, win jump balls and contested balls and all that, and back shoulders. It's the fact that that Sanders is a prolific and accomplished route runner. And Sutton, just like you spoke to, he's still learning the whole wide receiver thing. Take that next step. That's what he needs to do. In his second year as a route runner, maybe learn a little something from Deshaun Hamilton, who's a very polished route mm-hmm. runner. And if he can get that aspect of it down and get his hands down, because there was a few times on slants especially last year where he dropped too many balls – he does have the potential to be that number one. I mean, his ceiling, Sutton, is ridiculously high, but I think the Broncos are treading into, you know, if they're really going to put all their chips on Cortland Sutton as the number one this year, it's sketchy ground because if you look back at Joe Flacco's most prolific seasons in ball. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed. And right now you can get started 
started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Tomorrow, he was throwing to proven veterans like Steve Smith, Anquan Bolden, Torrey uh, Smith. And so that's one of the reasons why, obviously, you're seeing the Broncos keep Emmanuel Sanders around. But I think they're maybe, you know, uh, remiss in this early in the process, crowning Sutton as the number one. I don't think there's any doubt that they're positioning Sutton to be the star on this offense, Chad. I feel like they're they're missing out. They have FOMO after losing DT and Sanders becoming injured and being out of the picture and losing his star power. They want a receiver representing the offense. I just think this early in the process, like you just said, before the draft, not knowing how Sanders' recovery is going to go, to pin him already as the number one, it's pigeonholing themselves, Chad, unnecessarily. I just don't think you can put that pressure on the guy. Even if it's they, they told him in private you're going to be the number one, I would let him develop into that role. He's still not even a proven number two just yet. So um, I would let the draft play out. I would let OTAs play out, see what Sanders does. And if they can come back, I mean, regardless, Flacco loves possession receivers. He had Michael Crabtree last year. He liked throwing too. He likes the big body types. Yeah. Sutton is going to have a role in this offense. He's going to be involved. Right. But number one, uh, I don't know about that just yet. Well, you just, I mean, that's the whole thing is you have to be able to create separation even when the opposing defense comes into a game, game planning to take you out of it by putting their number one receiver on you, or excuse me, number one corner on you, and then putting safety help over the top, which is what they did last year. Is they they the opposing team starting with Richard Sherman in Week 14 in San Fran, they played press coverage, struggled to get off the off the line of scrimmage, and then in terms of being available in the vertical game, he always had a safety over the top because there was no one else really that they feared as as a receiver by that point. So it was just Sutton. And so as a number one, you still have to be able to win in those situations, and yeah. that's why and that's where route running comes into play. And he's just not there yet. It's still going to take time. And with receivers, and this was something that if, if those of you listening tuned into the Building the Broncos episode on Wednesday in which Benjamin Albright appeared, and Albright was talking about that with receivers, it usually takes two to two and a half years for them to really turn the corner in their development and begin to produce. And it's pretty true. I mean, you can think back to when Demarius Thomas entered the league uh, in 2010 as a first-round pick. You know, granted, in his case, he was banged up. He was he was drafted with a foot injury. But his rookie year, I think it was something like, you know, two, 300 yards, something like that. His second year, the Tebow year, he missed a good portion of the first part of the season and then came on strong the second half, 500 yards receiving, something like that. And then Peyton came year three, and it just happened to coincide with also that that third year where they take the giant leap forward, suddenly he's putting up whatever it was, 90-some-odd catches and over 1,200 yards receiving double-digit touchdowns. Sutton, it's going to take time, just like DT did, to turn that corner, Zach. Uh, speaking to that, though, I mean, look look at the fact that he was a raw player coming out of college, and then now he's already on his second offensive coordinator, his second uh, scheme, his second quarterback. I mean, you're already delaying his progress in that sense alone. Why you would let him ace being a number two receiver, Chad, before you even think about giving him those wide receiver one responsibilities. 
No doubt about it. And also listening to the Building the Broncos pod on Wednesday, another thing to take away from what Albright had to say is that there's no concern, apparently, at Dove Valley that Emmanuel Sanders won't be available by the season opener. They fully expect him to be good to go. It sounds like the team's expectation, and you wrote about this a few weeks back. I can't remember exactly how long ago it was now, Zach, in the offseason, but that Sanders was ahead of schedule, right, on his recovery from Achilles. Now, we got to remember that happened, it was either late November or early December when he suffered that Achilles tear, and yet the team still, according to Albright, is confident he's going to be good to go by opening week. So maybe that's just them still trying to build his trade value. But I think it's true that he's going to be good to go. So I'm not too worried about this because Sutton can be the X while Sanders can be the Z. So, you know, it takes two. And as long as Sanders is back in time, I'm a little bit more nervous now. Like when before the offseason started, Zach, I was a lot more amenable to the idea of trading Emmanuel Sanders. But now that you got Joe Flacco and it's about winning now, and it's not so much about building for the future. As I mean, you still got to consider that, but we know how the Broncos are thinking. They want to win now. That's why they got Flacco. And with that in mind, I think you need to keep Emmanuel Sanders here, even if you get a really tasty trade offer, unless it's one you just simply can't refuse, like a second-round pick or even a third-round pick maybe. You got to keep Sanders around so that Flacco has a proven and accomplished veteran. Let's not forget Emmanuel Sanders contributed to a world championship, and he has produced three thousand-yard receiving seasons as a Bronco. I mean, not only would I keep Sanders, I would add more burners in the draft. In your mock chat, you had Emmanuel Hall and Penny Hart. Those are two great options. The more, the merrier. They don't really have any strict burners on the roster other than Sanders, and he's coming off an injury which saps explosiveness. Sutton and Hamilton and uh, Tim Patrick are possession guys. They need guys who can get down the field. Brendan Langley, to me, is not that guy. So I would, you know, you can never have too many offensive weapons, especially for a quarterback like Joe Flacco, who loves throwing downfield. I would not put all my eggs in, in Sanders' basket, just as I wouldn't for Colton Sutton. I would add more to the fold. It's never bad to have too much competition. We'll see how it shakes out, you guys. we still got a lot left to go in terms of the offseason. We're on the home stretch in terms of the draft. We are in the month of the draft, so that's going to be here before we know it. And it's going to be really fun these remaining weeks leading up to the draft. we got a lot of cool content planned for you, not only on the website, but here on the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, you guys, make sure you are following the show on Twitter. Don't forget, if you haven't done this, to leave your creative review and rate the show on iTunes. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad N. Jansen. And for those of you who are VIP subscribers of Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, I put out the thread, the weekly thread, for the VIP mailbag for Friday's episode. Go find that. You can find it on my Twitter and the Huddle Up Podcast Twitter, or just go to the MHH Insiders Forum. You'll see the thread there. Put your questions in. Zach and I will knock each one of them down on Friday. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.